0: Welcome to the Future of Education. Excited to be with Tom Dawson, uh, who's the now interim uh, CEO at Strata Education Network. Uh, we're going to get into what Strata does. They're a fascinating uh, new philanthropy, I would say, uh, that is really on the cutting edge of uh, what, uh, of how to think about the intersection of education and the workforce in truly novel ways. But first, Tom, welcome. It's good to see you.
1: Nice to see you as well, Michael. It's good to, good to be back in touch.
0: Yeah, likewise, likewise, and and for those that don't know, Tom and I grew up in the same uh, neck of the woods, so we've uh, uh, had some knowledge of each other for a little while. But you know, you've obviously had quite a career ranging from senior roles at the Gates Foundation and the U.S. Department of Education, uh, where you've gotten to craft policies uh, in you know in the wake of the dot com economic collapse, and now you have uh, this opportunity, right? With an incredible portfolio of giving activities an incredible portfolio of organizations that you all uh, directly own and support. Um, I'd, I'd love you though, first to sort of reflect um, across, right. The, the, the wave of your work about, you know, some of the big shifts that you've seen in education, philanthropy over the last couple of decades, just to give us that bird's eye view that, that I think you're, you know, you're one of a handful of people to, to uniquely have. Sure. So, um, I would say
1: two things and I think back to like 10 years ago, say, um, when, um, when I was at the Gates foundation and I would, I would point out what's changed from when I was at Gates to now that, um, now that I'm at Stroud, and I'd point out two things. The first is, um, when I was first at Gates, the notion of college completion was really a new idea. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. And most
1: philanthropy, most activities in higher education, a lot of the thought leadership that was being generated was really still around uh, college access and affordability, which are are important issues. Uh, But we, when I was at Gates, were just introducing and spending a lot of money and providing a lot of grants in the areas of college completion. and and i remember at the time thinking that um how long would this this take to become more more visible and more um more kind of in the lexicon if you will and now fast forward 10 years and a lot of the organizations that we stood up um are now you know known organizations nationally complete college america uh for one i think of and then i also just think about how how states and policymakers, um and you know even 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 players in the private sector are now increasingly focused on helping Helping colleges um, um, improve completion rates, um, and that's a that's a noticeable difference over a short period of time. The other thing I would mention, and this is more akin to akin to Strata, is um, when I was at Gates, it was still you know when you think about big philanthropies and how they participated in terms of their grant making and their charitable activities, it was really focused on uh, providing grants. And some novel and creative foundations would do program related investments, but even that was new, and a lot of foundations. Felt kind of uh, skittish about that and squeamish about it. Um, now, fast forward ten years, and everybody's doing program-related investments. If you're a foundation, um, and moreover, you have this new breed of organization um, akin to what akin to what Strata is, but you know other players like Chan Zuckerberg and Emerson, where they're focused on pulling multiple levers. Many of them aren't even nonprofit, uh, but to advance a advance a social mission. So that's that's also relatively, you know. A lot's changed in 10 years. So,
0: Yeah, I, well, look, I think both of those are significant, right? To your point, the shift from college access to college success has been a tidal wave of, of change in uh, higher education, but also philanthropy. And then on the second, with uh, what you all have, frankly, led in many ways, at Strata, not just making invet- uh, grants, as you said, but actually making investments and owning even for-profits outright. I'd love you to dig in deeper about the why behind that strategy and why you think, you know, in general, the sector has become more comfortable with investments in any type of organization. Uh, but specifically, obviously, at Strata, you all having a portfolio of organizations that you own and operate, uh, I, I think would be super illuminating. Sure. So um,
1: I would say that Strata, like a lot of organizations, um, like the kinds I mentioned, um, that have moved into the space over the course of the last 10 years that are not foundations, um, they they're really interested in pulling Multiple levers, not just grants. They're look, um, you know, they're largely sector agnostic. Uh, whether it's working with for-profit players or governments or nonprofit entities, if you're in a field like education that's so heavily um, involved with and funded by the government, um, it's impossible to to to, to take a um, sort of siloed approach. You have to um, you 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 have to have a multi-sector approach. And we think that being the type of organization we are, with the levers that we pull, is a much greater way of ultimately having impact and bringing to scale um, some of the some of the effective interventions for the target populations that we seek to serve. Uh, you know, if we're, if we're really interested in doing that, you have to have a sector agnostic, multiple sector, multiple lever type of approach. So.
0: It, it makes sense. Let's let's double click on that a little bit. So talk about you know you all call yourself Strata Education Network. It's not just a Strata Education uh, philanthropies or foundation or something like that. So talk a little bit more about that notion of network uh, and and why that's such an important concept. Because you alluded to it there, but I'd love to dig in a little bit more deeply. Sure. So um, network was very intentional.
1: Um, both our name Strata, which in Italian means winding path which is supposed to uh, connote uh, unfortunately the winding path that a lot of learners are on between transitioning between education and employment but the network part's really important because there's both an internal network so that's the that's the grants we make that's the uh, investments that we make in outside parties that's the affiliates that we operate both nonprofit and for-profit but then there's also the external view of being a network which is that you're working with parties that you may not directly. Directly influence. So um, I think of state governments, policymakers, um, but you need to have both an internal network approach and an external network approach again to have that kind of scale that we're um, that we're driving toward. So that's the it, you know the word network was um, both both strata and network are really the most important two words in the three word. Uh, Strata Education Network title. So,
0: it's it's interesting though, right? Because I think most people would say, "Oh, education must be," but you're purposely expanding beyond uh, just education, recognizing that if you view education as a siloed problem, in effect, you're sort of going to miss the big reason why people enroll, the reason why it's so important in people's lives, and so that connection. Sure, the meandering, but but I think actually, what I like about it is, uh, as opposed to a lot of uh, Efforts in education around oh, everyone should be on a guided pathway, or or you know everyone should have an IT or business certificate, which is super short term focused. Mm-hmm. It, it acknowledges that people you know do take pathways for life through life, and they're going to be different from each other and more different than they ever were in the past. Where perhaps you'd stay at one company for for most of your career. Mm-hmm. That that really is not uh, what most people are going to experience as they get out there. So so I think it makes a, a heck of a lot of sense there. But I guess what it it uh, the the shift from my perspective then is, um, y- you know, you're focused very intentionally on measuring that social impact uh, and thinking about that scale toward good, not just scale for its own sake, but toward an outcome. H- how do you all dig into the measurement around that? Because the more you're entangled, if you will, across the ecosystem, it seems harder to to wrap your hands around that measurement. Yeah. So we, um,
1: I would say two things. The first is that it's a long it's a long path on, on on measurement. We we started intentionally measuring the impact of our nonprofit affiliates about three or four years ago, um, and we're just this year, frankly, getting the kind of volume of research and data back to actually um, show what their impact is. And it's not like we're running random control trial studies or you know um, uh, necessarily th- um, activities or, or 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 approaches that 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 are tremendously sophisticated. Always, it just it takes a long time to have a sufficient volume of students, to have uh, the commitment from uh, the various parties. You know, if you're working with a university, they have to be open to you, you know, researching the effectiveness on their students. And and um, so as a result of the, um, yeah, you know, I think when you look at other players in the sector in the education and training space, there's all when people say impact, and you actually look at their impact reports, you see a lot of data on reach, and you see a lot of data on 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 students served, for example. Those are all important things, but because but because for a variety of reasons, like the one I just mentioned, it's it, it's hard to get an impact. Um, we, we really think there's an opportunity to be kind of a field uh, sort of maker, if you will, around. Um, Getting organizations like ours, sort of that external network I described before, uh, to focus on common measures of impact. But before we can do that, we have to um, um, begin to, to 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 discover and begin to 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 generate results on the data. For example, that our um, that our affiliates are um, you know our nonprofit affiliates that we own and operate are having. So we've started there. Um, and then our plan is to extend that to our investments. Those are the the, the um, non-controlling investments that we that we don't own outright, and then also to include our grants as well. So we've started with you know that which we control the most, which are our affiliates, and we can um, you know we can work more closely with them to develop those kinds of impact measures. Um, and then we intend to expand that across the the variety of different activities that we're we're involved with. So
0: how, how much can you uh, have measures that are in common? I mean, you all support a diversity of organizations that have very different missions in many cases that operate in many different spheres. How much can you have metrics that are in common that bring these things together and unify? Or, or how much do you really just need to have a, a wide net, if you will, that's more disparate? Yeah, I think we're starting with a
1: wide net. So unlike some um, because <laughs> I have a couple of scars on me for uh, with respect to trying to generate um, sort of uh, compelled or uh, sector-wide types of metrics where you, it's just too early to do that. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the ambition is the right ambition, but it's just oftentimes um, the enthusiasm for uh, developing those common metrics exceed the, the ability of, or the maturation of the field to do it. So um, what we're focused on initially out of the gate, Michael, is more how can we measure with our affiliates a common range of data and metrics around our learners completing their degrees and certificates that they start. Once they complete, are they um, you know, we, we talk about completion, value and purpose. So I just described completion. It's pretty, pretty obvious. Um, value is around do those learners after they graduate, after they complete either their degree or certificate, whether it's in a formal, formal, uh, uh, degree granting institution or not, do they, do they receive value from, from, from the program that they, they exited from? So, um, and by that, you know, do they receive a pay increase? Do they move up, you know, in terms of the job that they want more, more quantitative measures and then around purpose. Uh, we're focused on some of the softer measures. So, for example, if you're a low-income learner, were you able, as part of your educational pathway, were you able to develop social capital? For example, things that are things that are that are that are a little softer, but still important to measure. And in our view, you really have to measure all three and treat it as the um, kind of three legs of the same stool. And what we're focused on in particular is identifying effective interventions uh, around completion, value, and purpose, um, and saying that the way. You know whether it's uh, activity that Road Trip Nation is involved with respect to trying to develop social capital with low income opportunity youth who go out on road trips, or college completion with the work that Inside Track does, is showing that our performance with the particular intervention exceeds the the uh, performance of a relevant standard in the field. So, in the case of Inside Track, what's the you know what's the graduation rate at that particular institution, or what's the graduation rate writ large for community colleges or for for, for uh, for your institution, so it's about effective in, um, uh, it's about effective interventions. Excuse me, compared to a relevant standard benchmark.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. I mean, just an, yeah, and, then, yeah.
1: and then scaling what yeah. we
0: learn. Gotcha. You know, I mean, just an aside actually, because I, I hadn't thought about it before. But you know, social capital is obviously becoming a much more important uh, area of investment right now in the field. I think people are waking up to the fact that uh, knowledge and skills are important, but beyond a baseline. It's who you know, not what you know, and the importance of having mentors and relationships and uh, things that unlock opportunity. Y- you all were actually quite ahead of that trend. Uh, I-, I would argue at Strata, uh investing in that many years ago, the, ro- the acquisition of Road Trip Nation, I think was, you correct me if I'm wrong, but like maybe five, six years ago at this point. Yep. 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 Yeah. So 2016. So, so, so yeah, five years ago. Time yeah, so deeply ahead of that. Yeah, right. Yeah. It turns it turns around quick. But the, the reason yeah. I guess I mentioned it is because you're always peering around corners. You're thinking about what's to come. Uh, the recession, obviously, and the pandemic have resulted in a series of changes. There's a lot of speculation. You know, things will never go back to normal. On the one hand, to the moment uh, uh, we have herd immunity, people are going to slip back into their old uh, familiar routines as quickly as possible. I'm sort of curious uh, h- how you see this playing out, uh, in, in the sectors that you're watching and investing in, and, uh, if it's going to shift your investment strategy or your focus at all?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is we don't fully know, obviously. And so, um, uh, I, you know, I would be remiss if I said that, that, that we've made any decisions about how the effects of the pandemic and the recession will affect our, um, our activities. Having said that we are learning, um, Sort of initial things uh, about about how the pandemic has affected has affected learners. Um, so as 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 you may know, I'm sure you know Michael, but uh, folks who are joining may know we we do a lot of work around assessing consumer insights. Um, uh, we had a relationship with Gallup, um, you know, throughout the course of the of the pandemic, we were uh, um, we were releasing um, you know on a regular basis a variety of different um, uh, kind of short burst. uh, uh, evaluations and studies of what consumer feedback was on how, um, how the pandemic was affecting, uh, decision-making. And one of the things we found was that, uh, especially with adults is that the, they, they are increasingly this, there was some truth to this prior to the pandemic, but based on the, based on the feedback that we, we saw as a result of the work that we did during the pandemic, they are looking for adult learners in particular, in particular, excuse me, are looking for, um, opportunities to improve improve their skill acquisition and yeah um, I, I, I would really focus on that word skill acquisition because they aren't necessarily looking for a degree or a credential in a certain area from a certain institution they're looking about how to improve the skills that they possess to make them more relevant and so as a result they'll go to a variety of different providers whether it's a um, or they are open to going I should say to a variety of different different providers whether it's, um, traditional institutions, whether it's competency-based institutions like WGU or other providers, whether it's on-the-job learning, they are they are um, they are hungry and open to to a variety of different pathways with respect to where they where they um, learn and where they where they improve their skills. And it doesn't have to take place in necessarily in a traditional institution. Most learners still go to a traditional institution, but there is increasing openness to going outside of that. So.
0: So I I, th- I mean that part is actually fascinating, right? Is is and and your your survey was the first place I think that picked up this set of indicators, which was in past recessions students flock back to higher ed, and the prevailing right. wisdom is oh higher ed is counter cyclical, you know community colleges that depending on the data set you look at have been losing a lot of students over the last ten years. They're they're all going to come back and so forth, and that's not what we've seen both in your early insights predicting this, but then it's it's materialized, right? We we haven't seen students rushing back uh, to degree programs, but they are going to short term programs that that are, are are super focused on skill acquisition, as you said. You know, early indica- or early predictions, I guess, from you because we don't we don't know for sure, but since you're able to see the the pulse of this going ahead, do you see that? Continuing to increase people's awareness of these new programs, increasing and and, and looking for new options, or, or do you think that maybe there'll be some retrenchment to more uh, historical behavior? Um, I, I no, I think the I think the trend is here
1: to stay. Does the does the uh, rate of increase continue on the path that it's on? I you know that that's 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 uncertain. No, but I think the the openness and the willingness to experiment with new types of Programs that are really focused on skill acquisition that precedes the recession and precedes the pandemic. I just think the pandemic accelerated it, um, and I think that's for a whole host of reasons. All the all the news and all of the frankly experience that a lot of learners have with um, you know, excessive you know um, uh, excessive amounts of student debt or you know not having the time necessarily to go back for a for a full degree. You know, you know most students now are 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 adult learners and they have families, they have jobs uh, um, and the traditional way of going to education that I went to school and you went to school is is, is, is not relevant for um, an increasing and growing share of learners. So no, I think it's here to stay. I think the part that will be really interesting and the part that we're seeing evidence of, particularly with some of our investments and some of the work with our, our affiliates is that traditional institutions, we tend to, I would caution about viewing them skill acquisition and traditional institutions as being mutually exclusive. I think we're seeing a lot of evidence that the the more entrepreneurial and thoughtful traditional institutions are moving increasingly into the skill acquisition space. So whether it's acquisition of boot camps or whether it's um, it just just a variety of different Different um, approaches that creative, entrepreneurial institutions are are moving into, and so I think you'll see increasingly a lot of those institutions becoming responsive. Not all of them, but the the creative ones, the ones that will ultimately win the day are the ones I think that will um, be open and be flexible and 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 increasingly adopt some of these practices that are the, that adult learners show they're interested in around skill acquisition. So.
0: Yeah, and obviously Southern New Hampshire University sure, acquiring yep. Kenzie recently is a textbook example uh, of of yep. that. Uh, and and this is a topic I'm super interested in. Obviously, from my my book Choosing College, I guess it's on the other shoulder. But the uh, but the uh, uh, you know, in terms of why do students take these actions? But you also have invested a lot in research and understanding. Uh, if you will, the demand part of the economy in terms of the skills that are actually desired, uh, MZ is is an investment uh, you, you all uh, have in your portfolio. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you're starting to see in in, in the data itself around what the labor market uh, is valuing and how these short-term programs? Uh, know do or don't contribute toward that i i I think in particular uh and and we'll start to shift to the washington dc lens and and a little bit of uh some some of the policies and so forth but you know there's a lot of people that want more support for short-term programs at the same time uh, I had two secretaries of education on my podcast uh, uh, just a few weeks ago, and they were both skeptical about extending to shorter than fifteen-week programs, because the data historically hasn't been that good. Uh, but you know, data lags by definition, sure. right? So, so what what, do you, what are you all learning uh, from from that resource of MC and 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 any other feelers you have out in the marketplace around what's being asked by employers and 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 sort of outcomes uh, from these different types of skill-based programs?
1: Yeah, you know, I think employers. So, so two things. Your your point about how data lags. Well, sometimes um, employers lag too. And being an employer, I can I can say that we we sometimes lag as well. And so sometimes there's still a mindset among a lot of employers that the degree programs connote, um, you know, uh, a certain certain set of skills that someone. Who possesses a degree versus someone who doesn't is more likely to have and so that's that's it's not like that has uh, been revolutionized overnight that 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 still tends to be the trend but it is it is changing um and i think a lot of employers are growing frustrated um you know are growing growing frustrated with um sort of the glacial pace of change and a lot of uh, tr- traditional higher education. So, I would say that that um, based on what we see, most employers still um, still have that preference for the degree. The data uh, bears that out over time. But I think because data does lag, to your point, and employers sometimes lag too in their hiring practices, it is changing, and it's changing more quickly um, than 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 it has in the past. Um, with respect to your your question around um, policy, um, you know, Strata doesn't doesn't have a defined policy agenda on that question you posed, um, but I would just say from where I from where I sit, um, you know, we 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 talk about being learner focused, uh, and and at Strata in terms of our investments and our grant making, and um, if you're going to be learner focused, we should be open to different types of, different types of programs and allowing dollars to follow students to those different programs, provided that the results um, are are satisfactory and adequate. A lot of the, that lagging data, um, you know, comes from, um, yeah, a lot of the newer entrants into the market aren't reflected in that lagging data. So I don't Mm -hmm. put a lot of stock oftentimes in that lagging data. So I, I think it'll be really interesting to see what it looks like five years from now when we look at that data, you know, right now, two years from now, three years from now, five years from now.
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, it makes a ton of sense. I mean, as my mentor, Clay Christensen, always said, the the, the really unfortunate thing about data is it's it's only backward looking. And by definition, uh, uh, and it's only convincingly so in, in the way distant past, right? So you yeah. actually need theory and, and observation uh, to per uh, project forward because the, the the future isn't always like the past. Uh, so, and, and hopefully fortunately in some uh, dimensions here, yeah. I, I guess, you know, as we, as we sort of wrap up our, this conversation together Um, I'm curious, as you're looking at the Biden administration, you know, speaking about policy, uh, new folks in town, but many of them familiar faces, you, you know, you know, uh, uh, several of them, obviously mm-hmm. uh, what's one policy initiative, uh, that they're looking at that you're watching uh, quite closely right now and, and, and uh, uh, monitoring.
1: So I think, um, you know, that the, the, the pending legislation that actually just got an email this morning about um, uh, a version of some of the pending legislation about making, making resources more, more readily available in um, workforce training and, um, you know, primarily in that workforce Training uh, realm, whether it's the um, uh, WIOA Act or some of the some of the the um, some of the programs that have a workforce orientation out of either the Labor Department or the Education Department, those the 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 desire of the Biden administration to fund those programs at significantly higher levels um, are interesting, and um, I think the the challenge will be while historically many of those programs you know admittedly have been underfunded. Um, I think the challenge will be that what, from what we see, um, most learners, um, when it comes to career navigation and, um, you know, the transition between education, and employment, they suffer from what we call a first mile problem, which is they don't know where to go to get the information that they need to make relevant career decisions. Um, so that's why we invest in things like road trip nation, which is all about solving that first mile problem, which is. I have an interest in a particular field, or um, you know, I'm I'm vocationally inclined to um, be an engineer or an artist, or a, what's a what's a career path that will allow me to have a livable wage and provide for my family, um, uh, but still you know be true to what I'm interested in, and what's the you know what's the educational path I need to be on to do that. The, the, the challenge with uh, the significant increase in resources is it will provide a lot more money, but it doesn't really get at that first first issue, which is um, there's still really siloed activity between education and employment. That's the, with, despite all of the improvements that we've made, the, there's still that siloed uh, approach to education and, and, and uh, workforce development. And simply pouring more money into one or more of them will not address the first mile problem. And I, I, I think there are limits to what government alone can do on that. It's not really their fault, but that's why you need to have this multi-dimensional uh, approach with foundations, with organizations like ours, with for-profit players and with government, so.
0: Gotcha. Are, are, are you uh, hoping that there will be movement, perhaps not from the administration led, but from Congress uh, to connect some of those databases between Department of Labor and Department of Education so at least there's better information out Absolutely. there? Absolutely. How, how, yeah, how important yeah, is that? No, I think it is important. You know, um,
1: you know, uh, I, kind of more controversially, I think back to all of the discussion, you know, probably eight, ten years ago now around gainful employment, and gosh, it might even be longer than that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm starting to date myself, but uh, um, and that would require, you know, connectivity between social security data and education department data. Um, that's important. That 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 that's important. But it 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 is insufficient. That first mile problem. Um, mm-hmm. Which is a much trickier problem to address is um, until we solve that, you can pour in billions of dollars, and I think you you might get some incremental improvements, but you won't you won't get the kind of holistic improvements that I'm excited by. You know, a lot of these new entrants that we help to support and help to fund, um, I think they more immediately address those issues, and so hopefully they can they can uh, uh, attract some of the support, some of this funding, and um, hopefully that there'll be greater collaboration between the various players in the space, so.
0: Good stuff, Tom, I look appreciated. And uh, there's a lot of talk about the last mile problem, but uh, I, I think you're absolutely right. That first mile problem is significant. It's a huge barrier, not one that we talk nearly enough about. So appreciate you raising that to the forum uh, along with all the giving and research uh, sure. that you, you all do. So uh, thanks for joining us. Great. Thanks very much. Yep. Everyone be well, and thanks uh, so much for tuning in.